I marvel at Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, the man who co-founded Apple. I marvel not just because of the inventions that he brought into this world, changing the way in which he lived, although that's certainly incredible, but one of the things that I marvel at Steve Jobs for is his sense of fashion. <laughs> or his famous lack of fashion sense. Maybe you didn't know this about Steve Jobs, but despite his immense wealth, he famously wore the same thing every day. He wore a black mock turtleneck, he wore blue jeans, and he wore white New Balance sneakers, the same kind your dad wears. For Steve Jobs, it really wasn't about fashion, it was a productivity hack. He visited Japan in the 1980s, and he was taken by the fact that virtually everyone he saw working there wore some type of uniform. And in it, he saw productivity. He saw workers who could focus more on the work because they had one less decision to make. And so he folded that into his own life. And, and I, I honestly admire it. And not because I think it looks particularly good, but because I admire that the freedom that it demonstrates. He felt this freedom to not care about how he looks and to say, hey, I've got more important decisions to make than what I wear. Which is arguably easier to say when you have $10 billion in your pocket. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we are continuing this teaching series where we're looking at the simple life that Jesus invites his followers into. It's this famous teaching where Jesus says, the most important thing in the world is the kingdom of heaven. God's activity, what he's up to, what he promises you, what he's done for you, what he's going to do for you, those things, uh, the love of God flowing to you and through you to your neighbor, that's the most important thing in the world. And then everything else is secondary. And everything else, if you get this right, can be done pretty simply. And today we're talking about how, how a focus on the kingdom of heaven even affects our approach to apparel or, more plainly, our appearance. You know, one of the reasons that Jesus has to teach this, uh, the primary reason Jesus has to teach this and, and that we have to talk about it is because it's safe to say that we have an appearance problem as human beings. The problem is not that we care about it. It's okay to care about the things that you wear and how, the, how you look. Uh, the problem is that we tend to obsess over it. We don't just have closets here in the wealthy West, but we fill our closets to the brim. The average American has 20 pairs of shoes. When broken down by, by gender, women have on average 27 pairs of shoes, men have 12. In my house, it's flipped. We don't just go to the gym and try to stay healthy. We, we focus on it with a kind of religious zeal. We pay tons of money for stationary bikes with computer screens attached to them so somebody from another state can scream at us while we pedal. We spend billions of dollars on chemicals to keep our hair from falling out. Kids watch millions upon millions of hours of makeup tutorials on YouTube. When it gets really bad, this obsession with our appearance and how we look and the clothes that we have and the things that we wear, it can lead us to debt. It can drive some into dysmorphia and even into depression. At the very least, we all know what it's like to walk into a room and think to ourselves, how do I look? How do they 
think I look. Or, or you know the feeling when you, when you have your spouse look at you and passive-aggressively ask you the question, so is that what you're going to wear? <laughs> well, not now, no, now that you say it like that. We obsess over how we appear. And, and I know that some of you are like, not me, don't care. I famously don't care. The fact that you famously don't care about how you look means you care quite a bit. Everybody, to some degree, gets caught up in this. And you know where this comes from, right? This, this obsession with appearance and how we present ourselves to the rest of the world. It comes from Genesis chapter 3. Humanity sinned and then shame flooded our reality. Shame over what Adam and Eve had done. Shame even over like who they were. Suddenly, there was in Adam and Eve this desire to hide and run from God and cover themselves, and they sewed together, the scriptures tell us, like these flimsy fig leaves to cover their bodies. What's important to understand is that the sewing of fig leaves wasn't simply about covering this nakedness that they suddenly had no idea what to do with, although that was part of it. But the primary reason that they sought to sew together all this clothing was, was not about hiding their bodies, it was this this manifestation of their effort to try and hide the shame that they felt from sin, to try and hide the disconnect that they felt between one another and between them and God. It was an effort to, to hide the shame and the fear and the pain and the loss of a relationship. And, and that's actually still the struggle. When you get down to the root of our collective human obsession with appearance, when you and I are being our most unhealthy in this regard, we use the manipulation of our appearance through the filling of our closets, through the number on the scale, through the new pair of shoes to cover something. We're trying to cover up, and it's not just our bodies. More deeply, it's pain, it's shame, it's hurt, it's inadequacy that we all inevitably feel as human beings. Carl Jung, the, the famous psychoanalyst, once said this, people will do anything, no matter how absurd, in order to avoid facing their own soul. And that includes getting wrapped up in what we wear and how we look and how we're presented to the outside world. It's safe to say that we have, as human beings, an appearance problem. Now, now, the question for you and I is this, how does this manifest itself in your life? I'm certain that it, that it shows up in varying degrees in various ways for each and every one of us. It looks different for me than it does for you, but we all get turned around and upside down on this, making more of our appearance and our outward expression to the rest of the world than we should, getting caught up not just in trying to look nice, but trying to cover up for things with external efforts, trying to meet internal needs, with external wrappings. How does it show up for you? Now enter Jesus and his teaching on the kingdom of God and his application of it to the things that we wear. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says to his followers, do not worry too much about how you look. 
Actually, he says this. Let's look at it again. Luke 12, verse 27 through 28, he says, Consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, Solomon was one of the kings of Israel. He famously had more money, more opulence than anybody else. He was kind of like the Elon Musk of his day, had all the great toys. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and then gets thrown in the oven later, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? A quick aside, when Jesus refers to us as people of little faith, he's not being demeaning. It's a, it's a, it's a term of endearment. He, he's saying kind of sweetly, God loves you. Don't you know that, O little ones with little faith? He's being affectionate. What Jesus is saying is, look, don't worry about how you are arrayed, how you appear. Why? Because you matter to God, and God clothes the things that matter to him. God clothes and cares for the ones that he loves. You matter to God, and he will clothe you. He will adorn you with beauty. He will. Now, that's not to say that Jesus is somehow guaranteeing that you are necessarily going to meet the cultural definitions of what's handsome and beautiful, which if you ask my wife is somewhere between Paul Rudd and Jason Bateman. She's got a type. Jesus is also not guaranteeing that, that you're always going to have the things that are on trend, that you'll be forever in style, which if you ask the tastemakers taste right now is floral prints, bucket hats, and massive jeans. Welcome back to the 90s. <laughs> the point Jesus is making is this. He's saying that, that God will make sure that you, because you matter to him, he will make sure that you are covered, that you are well adorned, both practically and spiritually, in a way that is full to God the Father. Well, lots of things, but let me, let me share this. What's beautiful to God is you having your needs met. What's beautiful to God is you having your needs for clothing and health and well-being met, but met in a way that the focus is not on the clothing or the accessories or even any one particular aspect of your physical body, but met in such a way that you don't really have to worry about being clothed and adorned and met in such a way that, that you have anything deep down inside that you need to compensate for with all these external efforts. What's beautiful to God is you knowing that you do not have to meet internal needs with external efforts. And when you know that and you believe that, you know that you are beautifully adorned by virtue of God putting clothes on your back and him covering you in grace and mercy. When you get that and you grasp that and you have some peace resting in that, that's beautiful to God. And so my job today is just to remind us that God has kept this promise that Jesus gives to us. That God has made you and me, he's made us beautiful, both practically and spiritually. He's made you beautiful practically. He's covered you in everything that you need. Let I me mean, think about it. Look at you. You look great. I know you might not have all the things that you want or, or the body might not be in the perfect shape that you want, but look at you. You're here. You're cared for. Your most fundamental external needs 
are met. I know you can always complain. I can always complain. But do we really have any complaints when we really look at it? Look at you. You are, you are taken care of in every practical way. Uh, but even more, more so, not only has he made you practical, made you beautiful in the practical sense, but he's, he's taking care of all of your spiritual needs. He's covered you and adorned you with beauty spiritually. And, and there's probably no better picture of that apart from the cross than what happens in Genesis 3. It's a really quick moment. It's easy to overlook, but my goodness, is it beautiful? In, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have sinned, and they brought all this shame into the world that they're seeking to hide and to cover, and they're running from God. But God seeks them out. He seeks them out, and he finds them with their flimsy fig leaf coverings that aren't doing a very good job. And yes, God lays down some punishments. Death is now a reality. They're excluded from the garden. But apart from the punishments, God shows a kindness to them. He looks at them in their futility, trying to cover their nakedness and their shame, and this is what he does. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. Not only does he make clothing for them out of the death of an animal, but it, but it says that God is the one who dresses them. He's the one who wraps it around them. He's the one who adorns them. Adam and Eve had made these flimsy coverings that didn't really work. And so God takes an innocent animal and he kills it. Now remember, this is Genesis chapter 3. Sin has just entered the picture. Death has not ever happened before. Blood has never been shed before. So the first thing that ever dies, the first blood that's ever shed, is God killing an animal to cover up the nakedness of his people. But you and I now know that it's about more than covering up the body. What were Adam and Eve attempting to do with their fig leaves? They were attempting to cover up their own sin and their own shame. So what is God doing? He's making them a proper covering for their body, but he's also making them a proper covering for their sin and their shame and their insecurities. Now, for those of you who like, really know the biblical story, you know that this is God dropping a major hint about what's to come. This is him spoiling the ending of sorts. What does the death of this innocent animal who will cover over the sin and shame of God's people, what does it point to? Who does it point to? It starts with a J, rhymes with Jesus. <laughs> it points to Jesus. There is only one truly innocent person. And it's Jesus Christ, and his blood would be shed on the cross, not to make a covering for the body, but to make a sufficient, a truly sufficient covering for all guilt and all shame for all time. And though your sin has made you ugly, mine has made me detestable, though your shame and mine has filled us with a sense that we are not lovable, those of us who have been baptized into Jesus, whose hearts are full of faith, holding on to Jesus. We are clothed, we are covered in Jesus. That's why Paul uses phrases like this. He says, for our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness, the goodness, the beauty, the loveliness of God. 
Here's what this means. Through faith in Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that covers over the sinfulness of mankind, through faith in Jesus Christ, when God the Father looks at you, when he comes looking for you like he came looking for Adam and Eve, and you're tempted to cover yourself up inadequately, saying, look, I don't feel like a good person. Maybe I should buy some shoes. When God comes looking for you, he doesn't see the insecurity. He doesn't see the mistakes. He doesn't see the stupid things you've done in the past. He doesn't see the very low view that you have of yourself. When God the Father looks at you, all he sees is Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks at you, all he sees is Jesus' perfect life wrapped around you. Jesus' forgiving death covering you. Jesus' rise from the tomb wrapped around you. You are covered and clothed in the work of Jesus Christ. So when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see all the stuff that you do. He sees someone that he calls good. He sees someone that he calls beautiful. And I know that you can't see it with the naked eye, but your eyes aren't the ones that matter. God looks at you, and he sees you clothed in mercy, grace, goodness, and beauty. That's what he sees. So, so he's kept this promise. He's made you beautiful practically. Every need is met. If you really want to look at it and see it, every need is met physically. And he's also clothed you and made you beautiful spiritually. So, so what that means for you and me is that growing in faith, maturing as followers of Jesus Christ means, at least in part, learning how to see yourself the way God the Father sees you. Part of growing in faith and maturing means learning to see yourself through the eyes of God the Father. And, and the more that we do that, the more that that can affect the choices that we make. We don't feel the need to try and supplement for some inadequacy or insecurity or cover over some, some sin or some shame because we know that the eyes of the one who matter, when they look upon us, they see someone that it calls, he calls, good and beautiful. Growing in faith means walking around more and more day to day saying to yourself, I am loved. I am loved. Here's how I know that I'm loved. My daily needs are met. God has adorned me practically with beautiful things and my deepest, most spiritual needs are met. God looks at me and calls me beautiful. I do not need to compensate with external stuff. I don't. And the more that that truth takes root in you and that, that idea becomes part of the heartbeat of your life, you will experience some of the freedom that Jesus is talking about when he says, look, you don't, you don't, you don't have to worry about the things that you wear. Don't you know that the Father has already made you beautiful? You don't have to worry about the things that you wear. The Father's already made you beautiful. As that takes root in us, I, I think it can flow through us uh, in an expression of freedom uh, that looks like a thousand different things. I could make a really long list. Here are the three things that came to mind for me as I thought about how this could impact me and my life as this takes root deeper and deeper in my heart and soul. I share them with you. The first is this. I am free to be satisfied with a simple and uncluttered closet. 
Now, I know that you, you hear me say um, that, that part of the freedom that we experience in following Jesus Christ is having an uncluttered closet. You think, why? Because you're already beautiful and your needs are met. You are free, if you want to, to have a small selection, a small selection of nice things, lasting things. And you're free to regularly repeat wearing things. I'm not talking about why, because you're already beautiful and your needs are met. You, you do not need to overly curate or filter or pose or present something false. Uh, my, my daughter went to prom on Friday. We took about mm, 2,000 pictures of her. She looked incredible. She really did. She looked unbelievably beautiful. And, and, and I was just taken by it. And so I couldn't help but like post pictures on Facebook and Instagram. And there was one picture that, that I put a particular filter on. And, you know, a comment from my wife was, Matt, our daughter looks pretty enough. You don't have to put a filter on it. And I said, the daughter looks great. The father standing next to her does not the natural light was making my gray stand out, so I needed to Juno filter that picture, if you know what I mean. But we are free to present ourselves more honestly online, and I know that for some of us, that can be difficult. We're also free because we are already loved, and our needs are already met, and this is a big one, okay? This is a deep one. We're free to see our beauty and our fitness as a gift we give to others and not a God that we serve. We're free to see our beauty as a gift we give to others and not a God that we serve. We're free to do this because, again, God, God adorns what he loves, and he's already adorned you with beauty, practically and spiritually. You're already beautiful. Your needs are met. You know, it's good to look good. I try it myself. It's good to look good, especially when you see your beauty and your health and your fitness as a gift you give to people that you care about. I want to look good for my spouse. It's a gift that I give to her. I want to show love to a friend when I show up at their 40th birthday party. And so I try to, try to be my best self and look my best. It's a gift I give to them. I want to give myself a gift of having some confidence I want to give God a gift of praise and, and show him that I appreciate this gift of my body that I've been given and this life that I don't deserve. I want to show him that I appreciate it. It's good when you see it as a gift that you give to others. That's wonderful. But you know what's not wonderful? What's terrible and enslaving is seeing your health and your clothing and all the accessories and all the ways in which you gather up stuff and adorn your life with all kinds of things. What's bad is when you see it as a God that you serve. And I know that might seem like a stretch to you. I don't serve it like a God. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. When you see those things and what you see in the mirror, what you have in your closet, the likes you get online as a source of peace, the kind of peace that can only actually come from Christ. And we all dabble in that. question for us to wrestle with today is this. What's one change that you could make, a step towards simplicity or ease in appearance? Simplicity could we take? I marvel at Steve Jobs and his approach to fashion. I don't think I could ever do it. I don't think I'd 
look good with it, I think I'd get bored with it. I think my teenage daughter would hate going places with me if I always, every day, wore the same thing. But here's what I know. I have an appearance problem. We all have an appearance problem. There's just so much insecurity, guilt, and shame inside of each one of us. What matters for us today is this. What matters is you hearing these words, that God already loves you. And God clothes and cares for that which he loves, including a proper covering for all that stuff deep down inside. Did you know that from God's perspective, you're already a little bit like Steve Jobs? Because when God looks at you, he sees you in the same outfit each and every day. And it's not boring to him. He sees you clothed in beauty and goodness. May you know that beautiful and good in the eyes of God is who you are. Are. And may that flow into and affect and transform everything that you do, including the way in which you dress. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this, this seems like such a simple thing, but, but this simple thing of, of the clothes we wear and what we see when we look in the mirror, how we carry ourselves in, in the world around us and how we present ourselves to others, we know that it's connected to need is already met practically and spiritually. Help us to believe that. Help us to step away from responding to to the lingering doubts and fears and insecurities and shame that we feel by going shopping or staring in the mirror and loathing what we see, help us to step away from that. And instead, to know and believe that we are beautiful to you and every need is already met. And help us to experience freedom and simplicity that flows from that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.